the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Dollar. Yes, indeed. A cowboy and an Indian, both. (laughs) It's nice to have options. (laughs) Sometimes it's convenient to be a cowboy, and sometimes it's just a little bit better to be an Indian. You know what I mean. Good evening, everyone. I'm glad you're with us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. I hope you've had a good day. All that we've been reading about in the Bible this past year as we've made our way through the Scriptures, in the Hebrew Scriptures, we've made our way from Genesis through First and Second Samuel. We'll be going back and picking up in the books of First and Second Kings this coming week as after we finish our little sojourn here in the New Testament in the Gospel of John. We'll be going back to the books of First and Second Kings. But all through the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way through Malachi, through those hundreds of years, generation after generation, decade after decade, we find the promised Messiah. The Son of God, God himself, who voluntarily left off his theistic prerogatives, his initiatives, his rights as God. He came and limited himself to the role of a man. Instead of being totally and absolutely independent, he became dependent. Instead of being infinite, he became finite and limited as we. He came and lived and walked out the perfect life of faith, fulfilling all of the predictions, all of the prophecies, over 300 of them in the Hebrew Scriptures about what he would be like, where he would be born, many of the things that would happen to him during his lifetime, fulfilling every one of them perfectly and walking out the role of the Messiah. That is to live a perfect life of faith, to give his life in atonement for our sins. We'll read about that tonight in the Gospel of John. Right now, though, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment in, in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 11, 1-14 The Lord hates cheating, but he delights in honesty. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Good people are guided by their honesty. Treacherous people are destroyed by their dishonesty. Riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living is a safeguard against death. 
The godly are directed by their honesty. The wicked fall beneath their load of sin. The godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people traps them. When the wicked die, their hopes all perish, for they rely on their own feeble strength. God rescues the godly from danger, but he lets the wicked fall into trouble. Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. They shout for joy when the godless die. Upright citizens bless a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. It is foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silent. A gossip goes around revealing secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. With many counselors, there is safety. End of reading, Proverbs 11, 1 through 14. This is my daily bread. My daily bread, your very words spoken to me. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And I... There's so much to be said about these proverbs. It's filled with verses that contrast the godly or the righteous person with the wicked. It's important to note that these statements are not intended to apply universally to all people in every situation. For example, some good people do indeed go hungry. But as it says, I've never seen the righteous go hungry or the children begging for bread. These statements are not intended to be applied universally to every person in every situation. They are intended to communicate the general truth that the life of the person who seeks God is better in the long run. The quality of the life, not that the person is better, the life is better in the long run than the life of the wicked, a life that leads, according to scriptures, to ruin. So these statements are not ironclad promises, but general truths. In addition, a proverb like this assumes that God's people care for the poor and the needy. A corrupt church or a church that is inept or disobedient often thwarts the plans that God has for his people here. Now, being godly, of course, does not mean being like God in the sense of being perfect. Uh, It just simply means that we follow God. We are those who love the Lord and are seeking our best to follow him. And as Christians, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live within us to help us live that godly life. These little nuggets of wisdom, they're so thought-provoking, each and every one of them, And they cover so many different areas of life. They are just so intriguing. Now, we do have the entire book of the Proverbs on one CD. And many people like to order those. You can go to our website, thebiblelive.com. If you'd like to have a copy, it's called Word to the Wise. All 31 chapters of the Proverbs on one disc. That way you can listen to one chapter every day of the month. Many like to do that and just fill their heads and their hearts with this wisdom that comes from a God-centered world view as it takes a look at our relationships, at our finances, at our health, education, indeed every facet of life, our friendships, all found there in the book of the Proverbs. Well, now as we turn our attention to the Gospel of John tonight, we're going to be picking up a beautiful chapter 15, a remarkable passage, chapter 15. It contains the seventh 
the last of the great I am's. It starts out tonight with that great I am. I am the vine. Jesus teaches about the vine and the branches. So we pick up in chapter 15 with that. In chapter 16, we're told about this wonderful promise of God's Spirit who will come to live within to tabernacle to accompany God's people. In every believer, God's Spirit dwells so that he can escort us to glory. And then we have the great high priestly prayer that Jesus prays for himself and for his disciples and for future believers. That includes you and me. Did you know that Jesus himself prayed for you on that Passover night? And then Jesus is betrayed and arrested after the Passover supper, and we begin to see the trials that he went through on his way to his execution on a Roman cross. So that will be our reading tonight, truly, truly dramatic and beautiful, from the Gospel of John on the Bible Life. John 15, 1 through 18, 27. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey me, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I command you to love each other in the same way that I love you. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when people lay down their lives for their friends. You are my friends if you obey me. I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. I command you to love one another. When the world hates you, remember it hated me before it hated you. The world would love you if you belonged to it, but you don't. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. The people of the world will hate you because you belong to me, for they don't know God who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me hates my father too. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be counted guilty. But as it is, they saw all that I did and yet hated both of us, me and my father. This has fulfilled what the scriptures said. They hated me without excuse. But I will send you the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will tell you all about me. 
And you must also tell others about me because you have been with me from the beginning. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 16. I have told you these things so that you won't fall away. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing God a service. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember I warned you. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and none of you has asked me where I am going. Instead, you are very sad. But it is actually best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come, because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is unbelief in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the prince of this world has already been judged. Oh, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not be presenting His own ideas. He will be telling you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by revealing to you whatever He receives from me. All that the Father has is mine. This is what I mean when I say that the Spirit will reveal to you whatever He receives from me. In just a little while, I will be gone, and you won't see me anymore. Then, just a little while after that, you will see me again. The disciples ask each other, What does he mean when he says, You won't see me, and then you will see me? And what does he mean when he says, I am going to the Father? And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him, so he said, Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in just a little while I will be gone and you won't see me anymore. Then, just a little while after that, you will see me again. Truly, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy when you see me again. It will be like a woman experiencing the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives place to joy because she has brought a new person into the world. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. The truth is, you can go directly to the Father and ask Him, and He will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. I have spoken of these matters in parables, but the time will come when this will not be necessary, and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not in parables. Now we understand that you know everything and don't need anyone to tell you anything. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming. In fact, it is already here, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. 
I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 17. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. And now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have told these men about you. They were in the world, but then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the words you gave me, and they accepted them and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you, and you have given them back to me, so they are my glory. Now I am departing the world. I am leaving them behind and coming to you. Holy Father, keep them and care for them, all those you have given me, so that they will be united, just as we are. During my time here, I have kept them safe. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the Scriptures foretold. And now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was with them, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you, so they also might be entirely yours. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are, I in them and you in me, all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me, and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me, so they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me, and I have revealed you to them and will keep on revealing you. I will do this so that your love for me may be in them, and I in them. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 18 After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. 
Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas was standing there with them when Jesus identified himself, and as he said, I am he, they all fell backward to the ground. Once more he asked them, Whom are you searching for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest, that year. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, Better that one should die for all. Simon Peter followed along behind, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the courtyard with Jesus. Peter stood outside the gate. Then the other disciple spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? No, he said, I am not. The guards and the household servants were standing around a charcoal fire they had made because it was cold. And Peter stood there with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, What I teach is widely known, because I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple. I have been heard by people everywhere, and I teach nothing in private that I have not said in public. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. One of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus on the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, If I said anything wrong, you must give evidence for it. Should you hit a man for telling the truth? Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire, they asked him again, Aren't you one of his disciples? I am not, he said. But one of the household servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. End up reading John 15:1 through 18:27. back to the Bible Live broadcast. We are coming down now to the end of the Gospel of John, the fourth of the four Gospels in the New Testament. The New Testament begins with these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We have read tonight from chapters 15 through 18, and they are beautiful passages, each and every one of them. Each chapter has its theme. Each chapter has its beauty, its drama for us tonight. Uh, as we watch these last hours, actually, in the life of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah. 
I like that we are called now friends. He says, I no longer call you slaves. We have a vested interest when we have come to Christ in faith and we are among his disciples, his followers. We now have a vested interest in his life as well. Our lives are now identified with his. What a tremendous, wonderful privilege we have. I love this chapter 16 where Jesus promises the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit now comes in the same way that he indwelt the life of Jesus the Messiah. He now lives within us to escort us to glory. It is so very important that you heed and understand those chapters 14, 15, and 16, particularly as it talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is just not a lot of spiritual or religious mumbo-jumbo. This was the Messiah himself announcing an extremely important event, a crucial, vital development in the working of God. Now that Messiah has come and completed his role and carried out faithfully his task of living by faith and trust in the Father and obedience to the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was indwelt and guided by the Spirit throughout his life. Now every believer, every believer, beginning with Jesus, has that privilege. with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.